Good morning. Cindy and I are enjoying time with Sarah and Joe, Hannah and Mariah, uh, today and next week. Hope to get some skiing in, so pray for snow. Thank you for the time away. Uh, trust you had a wonderful Christmas and looking forward to the new year. Next Sunday, January 3rd, 10 a.m., Len Robinson will be with us in person. Pastor Len and Hope served Seneca Community Church for nearly 20 years, and their life continues to touch the life of Seneca Community Church. God used Len in the building of our current church location. You won't want to miss being a part of this coming Sunday. Today, I'm very excited that we have Pastor Charles Whitaker with us remotely. It's been a pleasure being introduced to him and his church outside of Washington, D.C. He and his wife, Cheryl, have four boys. He will be sharing a very relevant message about God's intervention. There sure are days right now where I'm mindful that I need God to intervene. Remember, today's message is not about just filling a Sunday. When I'm away, it has thought, prayer, and anticipation behind it. We want to bring some of the best we can to you, someone who wouldn't necessarily be available to come in person. Before we get started, would you please pray with me? Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for today. We thank you for technology. We thank you for Charles being willing to share with us. Lord, we're also mindful of all the other churches in our area that are meeting, everywhere from Canandaigua right down to Inner Lake and over to Seneca Falls, uh, some of the churches that uh, we're connected with. Uh, we pray for Life Spring Church and Bill this morning as he preaches. We think of Dale over at Geneva Assembly of God Church. We think of Jamerson at Christian Country Lake Church, and we pray for him. We think of Ray at uh, Calvary Chapel. Uh, we also think of Jess down in Interlake and First Baptist, and also Dave at Interlake and Reform. Think of Dave at Waterloo Baptist and the many others. We thank you that we belong to a community uh, of churches that are trying to follow you. Uh, we just ask that you would help us as churches as individuals and together to really make a difference for you. Lord, we ask that uh, today would be a good service and a good time together. Uh, we're especially uh, thankful for Charles and his message for us. Open our hearts as uh, we begin to listen. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Hey, good morning, Seneca Community Church. This is Pastor Charles Whitaker from River of Life Church here in Temple Hills, Maryland. I am so excited about being with you all today. Sorry, can't be there in live, in person, but I wish I could. But you know the situation, and I want you to know how much we love you and love your church and what God is doing. And I'm excited to be with you today. And uh, so I just want you to know that I, I looked up your church and I looked at where it was because I did talk to Pastor Dave, and he told me about where you guys were. He told me he was in between two lakes in New York, the state of New York, and I looked it up. Sure enough, you're right in between a lake, I guess Seneca Lake and what's this called? Cayuga Lake. Wow, I'm pretty sure it's got to be beautiful up there. Maybe one of these days, the Lord will work it out. I'll come and check it out for myself live and in person. But I want you to know how much we appreciate being able to be with you today. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you are looking forward to a brand new year because 2020 has been interesting. I think we all can say that. It's been quite, quite interesting. A lot of stuff going on in the world. But I want you to know how much I honor your pastor, Pastor Dave Spencer. What a great man. I've talked to him on the phone. We just had a long conversation, talked about life, talked about our family and our kids. And I want to give a shout out 
to uh, the first lady. That's what we call him in African-American church. That is the wife of the pastor. And that is none other than Cindy. And uh, also to the three daughters, which I understand is Sarah, Hannah, and Mariah. And I want you to know that my wife, I want to show you a picture of our family. My wife, Cheryl, you can see on the screen. And my four boys. Pastor Dave's got three girls. I've got four boys. But I want you to know something. God has been good to us. My wife and I got married in 1988. I think that's the same thing with Pastor Dave and Cindy. So we got some connection there. But now only that, but the Lord has blessed us, and we've been together since high school, 16, and been married for 34 years. So we've been together for 41 years, and I love my wife, I love my family, and I know you love your pastor, and you love your first lady, Cindy, and exactly those beautiful daughters that he has. So congratulations to your church. Honor your pastor. Honor what God is doing. And I want you to know that I'm part of a, a movement called Converge. We planted our church over 20 years ago. Matter of fact, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary coming up at the end of January. And we started the church uh, with uh, the help of my good friend, Pastor John K. Jenkins, who's one of our leading pastors in Converge. Uh, he got me going, and my wife and I went through assessment center. We planted the church, and we're very excited about our connection with Converge. What an outstanding group of young people, older people, all kinds of people from all different types of churches and denominational backgrounds. It's about a movement. And uh, our movement and our mission is really simple. We want to start churches, strengthen churches, and send missionaries around the world. Those are the three S's that our movement is all about. And so we're so excited about when people want to hear about the movement that God is doing. Matter of fact, uh, Brian Weber is our uh, executive uh, district minister here in our area. We call him the DEMS, uh, district executive minister, I should say. He's uh, leading our mission here in the Mid-Atlantic area and all over this area called the Mid-Atlantic part of our division of our our movement. But then we also have our president, which is Scott Rideout, who's a great, great leader for our movement. This young man is incredible. We thank God for his leadership and what God is doing around the world and through his ministry and how he's leading us into the kingdom movement of seeing people come together and advance God's kingdom all over the world. So we're excited about that. And uh, I just want to, again, thank everybody for allowing me to come into your home or wherever you are. Maybe you're meeting at the church as well. And we're so excited to be able to share with you this morning. Now, our church is located... In Temple Hills, Maryland, we're right outside of Washington, D.C., on the southeast side of the District of Columbia. My wife and I live in Clinton, which is uh, right near Andrews Air Force Base. Matter of fact, many times we can see the president's plane fly right over our house. But we're excited because when we started the church, uh, we had no idea that we was going to be back in the same neighborhood uh, where we used, we used to live. My wife and I first got married four blocks from our churches. And then the next thing you know, God circles us right back about four years ago to buy this property that we're in right now where we have our services. So it's amazing how God works. So I want to again thank you all for being, uh, uh, allowing me to come into your home and to speak today and to share the word of God. And I want you to know that God is good and God is awesome. And, and our entire church greets your church. And we want to say God bless you. And again, Merry Christmas to you all who celebrated that over the last few days. And we want to thank God for the new year. So happy new year to everyone. So I want to start out in prayer as we get into the message today. Father, thank you for who you are. 
Thank you for the word of God. Thank you, God, for these wonderful people at Seneca Community Church. Thank you for Pastor Dave and his leadership and his wife, Cindy, and his children. And thank you for the leadership. Thank you for those wonderful people, God, that you have blessed and called by your name and redeemed them. And thank you for the guests and the many people watching all over the world. And we give you the praise. God, anoint everything I say. Speak, Lord. Have your way. And God, we thank you for encouraging hearts and moving in the lives of people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you first about some of the historical things about superheroes. I don't know if you remember back in the day, we all grew up loving Spider-Man and Superman and Batman and the list goes on and on. I remember growing up watching Ultraman and then of course, you know, we moved through the, through the times of Power Rangers and now you've got X-Men and all these other different superheroes. Now we got, uh, uh, what is it, Wonder Woman now, 80, 1984 and all of those things. But you know, all of those were really depictions of these superhumans who could come in and help humanity when they were struggling through enemies or forces that was about to annihilate or take over the world, take over a city. And yet they would come in and they would just stop or intervene and, and make sure that, that those things would not happen to destroy mankind. But I want you to know something, that we have a God that is a God that intervenes. And today I want to talk to you about the God of intervention, a God that wants to intervene in your life, in my life. So, when you think about the word intervention, what do you think about? A lot of times when we hear the word intervention, we think about drug intervention, alcoholic intervention, when somebody's strung out in addictive behaviors and they need some type of intervention. Maybe we're thinking about it in relations to a marriage or your marriage is going through a tough crisis and you need some type of intervention to come in to save it and to help it. See, the word intervention means to come between so as to prevent or to alter a result, a result or some type of actions or some type of events that's trying to occur. Uh, I love it. One definition says it actually means to involve oneself. It is to get involved, to interpose oneself, to step in, to cut in, to act as a peacemaker or to be an intermediary. It is a very, very powerful concept where someone can come into a situation and stop when something was trying to devastate or create a problem or when courses of action was going in a certain way and it need to be altered. And I want you to know in these times that we live in, these times that we have dealt with, especially in this year of 2020, as we're about to end this year and go into a new year, as we've dealt with the pandemic, as we've dealt with racial injustice and police brutality, as we've dealt with natural catastrophes, as we've dealt with economic collapse, and we've dealt with people going through so many things, and death of COVID-19, and all the stuff that we've seen happen in this world in 2020. i tell you one thing, if it's one thing we need, we need God to intervene in our lives. I hope you can say amen out there. I remember growing up in a church where I grew up uh, in Northeast D.C., and I remember we used to have a big, large choir, it was a mega church, and I remember we had this large choir, probably about 150 to 200 people. And when the service would begin, the, uh, the service always started out with the choir marching in from the sides of the balconies onto the stage. It was always very dramatic. It really left you with a, a, a spirit of anticipation. And there was one song they used to sing that I've never forgotten. And it would be a song with the words that said, I anticipate the inevitable supernatural intervention of God. I expect a miracle. 
And when they would sing that song, it would allow our hearts to be racing with excitement that we came to church to experience the God that wanted to intervene in our lives and that we should be getting ready for God to do something. Through the word, through the preaching, through the music, we expected that God would show up and show off in an amazing way. I want you to know something. When we gather together in Jesus' name or even in your own life, we should expect that God is a God that can intervene in our life, that can step in, cut in, he can alter events, alter the course of things that's happening in our lives, and that he can interpose himself into our situation. So I want to take as a text today out of Psalms chapter 8, verses 3 to 4. Many of you may have your Bible reading along with us, and it'll come up on the screen. But listen to the psalmist in chapter 8, or Psalms 8, verses 3 to 4. He says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Wow, what a powerful text. What a powerful text that the psalmist wants us to understand about this awesome God. And I think we all could agree that we all need God to intervene in our lives like never before. We need it. The good news is that God wants to and he loves to intervene in our life. This is what the psalmist is talking about. The psalmist is giving us a view that this big God, this God, the creator, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah, the God eternal one, the source of all things, the creator of all things. When we consider the heavens, the work of his fingers, that he with his own hand put the tapestry of the, moon, the stars and the galaxies and everything in place, this, the clouds and all the beauty of nature that we see in the heavens itself. And yet he put the, the sun and the moon and ordained them to operate in their position and they still operate today with, with tremendous precision, everything in the galaxy and in the, what we see in the heavens. He says, but then this God who did all of this is yet very mindful of mankind, mindful of you, mindful of me. And yet, he also wants to visit us. Amen. What a beautiful text. Now, I know that there's a lot of people out there with several worldviews of God. And I want to talk about those for a moment. Because a lot of us have different views of how we see God. Sometimes it's been taught to us in academia. Sometimes it's just in culture and how people view God in society, in our family, in our friends. Things have happened in our life. Sometimes we may not know them in theological terms, but we hear them or we discuss them. Or they may be in our own feeling, our own psyche, how we look at life. Number one, there are people who walk in the worldview of atheism, right? There is no God that exists beyond the universe or even in the universe. Or there's some people who have a a Gnosticism worldview, where they're not sure that there is a God beyond our universe. They're not sure. They have someone's got to prove it to me. I don't know if there's God or it's not a God. Someone has to prove it to me. I'll have to prove it that he's not. They're kind of stuck in the balance and not quite sure. But then there's humanism, which is the worldview that a lot of people have, that we don't need God. Man is it. Man does it all. Man can make it without God. Then we have secularism, where we know God exists, but we don't want to put God in the middle of stuff because it may offend people, so we're just going to put him on the outside, and we're going to act like he's not there. We don't want to offend anybody. So that's secularism. 
But then there's people who have a, a worldview of pantheism that God is all in all is God and therefore God is a rock, God is a cloud, God is a sky, God is a donkey, God is a, a, a river, God is trees. God. So people, some people believe that God is everything and in, in everything. And then there's those who have a finite Godism worldview where God may exist in the universe or beyond the universe, but he's limited. He only will do with so much. He only can do but so much. And then there's who have polytheism, which means that there are many gods that exist beyond the universe and even in the universe itself. But then there's those who also believe in deism. That's the word, the word de, which means that God exists beyond the universe, but he's not involved in the world anymore. He doesn't get involved. It's like he wound the clock up, started it, and left it to operate on its own. But then there are those who have a worldview of theism. T-H-E, which is that this infinite, transcendent, and personal God who exists beyond the universe, yet is involved in the universe, that he gets totally engrossed and loves and gets involved with his creation. That's the kind of God that I serve. That's the kind of God that you serve. That's the kind of God that we should want to serve, a God that wants to get in the mix, that wants to get into where we are and get involved in every intricate part of our life. Not just in the big things or the little things, but in every aspect of our life, God wants to be involved. And I'm so glad that I serve a God that loves me, that says to me and says to you that you and I are the apple of his eye. He's watching over us. I love what Psalms 139 says, before I can even utter a word out my mouth, you know exactly what I'm going to say. Every thought before I even think it. He knew my parts before they were even formed in the lower parts of the earth. You are wonderfully, fearfully made. God knows everything about us. Every molecular cell, every hair on our head. And David said, where I go, God, you know where I go. God, I can't run from you. I can't go anywhere. If I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go into the heavens and fly and to the wings of the morning, you are there. God, you are everywhere. You know everything about me. See, I want you to understand that God has always desired to be involved with his creation. From Genesis to Revelation is the story of God. It's his story of intervention into this world and into the lives of mankind. I mean, if I had time, I could go through from Genesis to Revelation. We don't have all the time to show you how much God has always been involved in the life of humanity and his creation. But if we were just to take the book of Genesis alone and highlight some of the major highlights that most people know of, of reading the book of Genesis, you'll know, first of all, that God intervene with order in the middle of a chaos in disorder when God had created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep and God intervened and God said when the spirit was hovering upon the darkness he said light and light was and God began to create create everything he created the birds he created the fish he created and put the moon in place and he put the stars in place and he put the sun in place then he put everything in place and then he made man God intervened and not only that, but God intervened when he came to Adam. When he saw that Adam was alone, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. How many glad that God intervened to make sure that a man could have a woman in his life? Hallelujah. And so he intervened and gave Adam, a, man, a, a woman called Eve. Not only that, but God intervened with accountability. And when they had sinned in the garden, 
He came down in the cool of the day to fellowship with Adam. And he said, Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you hiding at, man? Why are you hiding? What's going on? God said, I've I, I got to find out what's going on. I've come to fellowship with you because I love being with you. And the next thing you know, Adam says, God, I'm hiding. Why are you hiding, Adam? Because uh, he says, because I've done something. God knew exactly what he's done. And he says, Adam, did you do what I told you not to do? And of course, you know the story. And he does. And God brings accountability to them. And yet God, in his wisdom and in his love and his grace, tells the woman, you're going to have a seed. And this seed is going to bruise Satan's head. And yet, yes, he's going to smite Satan's head. He's going to bruise your heel, but you're going to see redemption. He spoke of redemption right then and there. Then he ended up clothing them with coats of skin, which said the shedding of blood had to take place. And he was showing right there that he's still going to redeem man, even though man had fallen. God intervenes also in the life of Cain. When he comes to Cain, he says, Cain, where is your brother? Your brother's blood is spilling out from the, from the ground, calling for vengeance. And Cain is under so much conviction that he wants to die. He says, oh, somebody's going to kill me if they find me because of what I've done. And God says, no, I'm going to put a mark on your head. Nobody can touch you. Nobody's going to mess with you because you still are my son. Isn't that good news that God can even intervene in our lives? Even when we make a mistake, even when we sin, God is not trying to throw us away. And not only that, but God intervened in the Tower of Babel when man got together and thought they can do everything they imagined. And the Bible says, God said, he looked at it, he had to come down and he had to stop what they were doing because he said, no matter what they imagined, they could do. So God had to intervene and confuse them and send them in all parts of the world because they were moving in humanism, trying to do things without him. But then God intervened with Abraham, or Abram at the time, when Abram was serving the moon gods, worshiping another god, didn't even know the real god that we call Jehovah. But God came and knocked on his door and said, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make a deal with you. I want to make a deal. If you will believe me and trust me, I will bless you. And I'm going to bless you so much, I'm going to bless your seed as the, as the sand of the, of the, as the sea, as the sand of the sea. Sure, I'm going to bless you as the stars in the heaven. You're going to see my hand upon you. And Abraham believed God. And because of that, God blessed him. And then God intervened in the life of, 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 of not only Abram, but also in the, in the life of Lot. When Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, God came down and spoke to Abraham and yet went to Lot. And y'all know the story. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but yet saved Lot and his family. And now and ever, God intervened in the life of Hagar. When Hagar was a woman who was a single, single parent, the first single parent. And God said, I'm going to still provide for you and your son Ishmael, even though you may seem like you're Forgotten by Abraham, thrown out the house by Sarah, I'm still going to provide for you. I want you to know something, single parent out there, God can still make a way for you. He still can intervene in your life. It is not over. And then not only that, but God intervened in the life of Isaac, the very son of Abraham. And when Isaac was in a foreign place in the land of famine, he sowed there and God blessed him. The Bible said, and God's hand was upon him. And God blessed him even in the land of famine. And he ended up being prosperous and being blessed because God intervened in his life. And not only that, but God intervened in the life of Jacob, a trickster, a supplanter. Y'all know he had a lot of gain with him. But God intervened in his life during a time when he was living with Laban and God protected him and blessed him. And then finally he got to the place where he knew that he was going to be confronted. 
didn't know what he was going to do. He had a, a vision and he, God intervened in his life and showed him a ladder of angels going up and down the ladder. And he realized, my God, I've got a view into heaven itself. And he called the place Bethel, meaning the house of God, where God's presence came upon. And he saw the angels ascending and descending down the ladder. But not only that, but he had opportunity to God intervene in his life and he had a chance to wrestle with God. And y'all know the story. God changed his name and called them Israel because he ruled and he reigned and he wrestled with the living God. God intervened in Jacob's life and even saved him and his family from his brother Esau. And I think one of the greatest stories in the Bible is when God intervened in the life of Joseph. Joseph was a man that God spoke to, a young man that God gave a dream to, gave him a couple of dreams. And the next thing you know, Joseph begins to tell his dreams to his brother and his mom. And they got jealous, and particularly his brothers, and they threw him in a pit. And from the pit, he went down to Potiphar's house. And from Potiphar's house, gets accused of, of rape. And then he goes into prison, and then he's in prison. But all the time, God is using his gift, and he keeps obviously having a great attitude. But you know what? It was all part of God's sovereignty. God's working through circumstances in order to raise him up. Hallelujah. And finally, he interprets the dream, and then he gets into the place of power, the place of prominence. And uh, just like his dream said, and his brothers came and bowed down, and he helped preserve the nation, and he helped preserve his family. And God moved, and God intervened in the life of his family and in the nation. So God is a God of intervention. See, this incredible creator has you and I on his mind. He is thinking about you and I all the time. You are on his thoughts. He thinks about you. He thinks about me. We are in his mind. And when we think about it, the psalmist says, just to think about how much he thinks about us is amazing to us. See, you and I are very important to him. I want you to know out there, you are very important to God. No matter what you're going through in your life, don't think God doesn't know. Don't think God is not looking. No, God sees everything. He sees you crying at night. He sees the pain. He sees the, the trepidation. He sees when you're going through fear. He sees when you're going through anxiety. He knows the pressure. He knows everything. He's watching you. you. You are in his mind. He sees when trouble is coming your way. He sees the issues of your life. God has you on his mind. Consider this God that made the heavens with his fingers and set the moon and the sun in its place and established it. Can you imagine that this God thinks about you? That's what the psalmist says. God, you are so, why are you so mindful? Why you think about us so much? But here's another point I want you to hear from this text. This incredible creator loves to visit you and I. He loves to visit us. The word in the Hebrew is pakad. It actually means to deliver, to keep, to go and see, to take charge, to enjoy, to care for, to make a visit with purpose. In other words, this God, this creator, Jehovah, the Lord God Almighty, wants to come in and deliver us. He wants to visit us, to deliver us, to set us free, to enlarge us, to bless us, to care for us, to enjoin himself to us, and to visit us with a purpose to let us know that he's going going to bring us out. He's going to stop whatever's trying to come against our life. He's going to show us how good he is. He's going to show us that he can work in all situations. See, the four things that brings God to intervention that we can see throughout Scripture is number one, prayer. God always seems to intervene when people pray. And I could preach on this for another 
several weeks about prayer. You know how powerful prayer is. The Bible clearly says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things you did not know. The Bible says, the fervent effectual prayers of the righteous avail of much. The Bible tells us to pray, uh, our Father in heaven, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, God, come, Lord Jesus. That's Prayer is very, very powerful for us. But the second reason why God intervenes in our life is through praise. When you and I understand how to give him praise and to be thankful and to give him the honor that's due his name, to to worship him even when it's tough, when it's hard, when it's difficult. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And God loves us when we can thank him. And God can come into your space. He'll come into your situation when you begin to praise him and begin to exalt him and begin to tell him how awesome he is and how good he is and and to reference his name. God loves loves praise. He loves it all throughout the scripture. God does something when people praise him and people clap their hands and raise their hands or they just talk about how awesome God is. He loves praise. The next thing that brings God's intervention is faith. When we believe God, we take him at his word. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God loves when we believe his word. We pick up the Bible and watch and hear him speak to us, and we begin to act on what he tells us to do. And he intervenes in our life when we have faith in him. The next one I love is his sovereignty. God intervenes with his sovereignty, simply meaning he will come when he wants to, how he wants to, and where he wants to. That you and I can't decide how God's going to do what he wants to do. We just can believe and we can praise him. We can pray, but God comes when he wants to. In the old church, they used to say, God may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. We don't understand how he's going to do it, but we know he knows how to do it when he wants to do it. It's the sovereignty of God. Many times God comes and intervenes in our life. Sometimes we don't even know how it happened. Sometimes it's almost subtle, but you know that and you look back over your life and so, say, God, I thank you that you worked through those situations and now I can see how your hand was in this and God, thank you for the job opportunity. Thank you for the things you did. Thank you for the family. Thank you for how you hooked my wife up and my husband up. Thank you for how you took care of my kids. Thank you for how you allowed my kids to marry the right people, whatever. God, thank you. And you begin to see the hand of God through his sovereign acts. But there are four things that prohibit God's personal intervention. When God wants to personally come in and invade our lives and interpose himself or to, or to step into our lives or to cut into our lives, there's some things that can happen that can stop God from doing that. Number one, unrepented sin. When we continue to walk in things that are ungodly, things that are in our life that God doesn't like, things that violate the Scripture, you, you know what they are. We all, some of our thought life, some of the things that we do, not even just our actions, but we need to repent of them. We need to say, God, I turn around from them. Because God says, my hand is not too, uh, too short that I cannot save. My ear is not dull that I cannot hear. The issue, he says, but your sins have caused me to be not with you, not to hear you, not to save you. Our sins create a problem. And I think for our nation, we all need to repent. Leaders and national leaders and local leaders, we need to repent of a lot of the sins and legislative things we've done. And we say, God, forgive us of our sins. And we repent, we turn around, we change. We need to change some of our laws and how we handle things in this life. All the things that we've been doing in life that is against the scripture, we need to say, God, please forgive us. We need to repent of it. Because not, we're stopping his personal visit in our lives. The next thing that will, will 
cause us not to experience the personal intervention of God is fear. When we allow things to be bigger than God, we allow our problems to be bigger than God. We allow our financial pressure to be bigger than God. We allow a mountain of issues to be bigger than God. Oh, we fear. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and the power and of a sound mind. The Bible is replete over and over again. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Amen. Because God loves us deeply. We don't want to fear. Fear always seizes us. Fear always stops us. But God tells us not to fear because we trust in him. He loves us. Those who hope in the Lord will never be ashamed because our God is a God that helps us and loves us deeply. The next thing that causes us not to have a personal intervention of God is doubt. Well, we may be one moment believing God because of circumstances and situations, we begin to doubt whether God can do it. The Bible says, any man who prays, who has doubt, who seeks the face of God and doubts, he shall, he shall not receive anything from the Lord. Doubt will stop his intervention in our life. Unbelief is another thing that will stop the, the intervention of God in our life. When we just resist God's word. God, I don't care what you say. I'm not going to do that. I know I'm not supposed to be, you don't want me to gamble my money away, but I can't do it. I can't. I know God, you told me I should stop doing this and I should not be living in this kind of situation. And God, you know, I'm not, but I ain't going to do it. I ain't listening to the word. That's old timey stuff. I ain't not listening to the word. I don't believe the Bible anymore. I'm just resistant. I'm going to do it my way. And we, we, the Bible tells us don't lean into our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him. We have to receive what God says. If not, we're going to be stopping the intervention of God. And I think one of the big ones that we sometimes find ourselves involved in is unforgiveness. When we're walking in unforgiveness, when we say, God, I cannot forgive what that person has done in my life. I cannot forgive my mom or my dad. I cannot forgive what my aunt did to me. I cannot forgive what my uncle did to me. I can't forgive what my, my wife or my ex-wife or husband did to me. I can't forgive what my job did to me. I can't forgive. And you walk around with unforgiveness. It hurts you. It doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. It stops God from intervening in your life. And I don't want anyone to, to miss out on God intervening in your life. And I want you to know I don't want to hold any unforgiveness against anybody because I need God too bad. I need God too, too much in my life to be holding something against somebody because I know that my God said if I don't love my brother who I see then how in the world can I love God who I don't see? The Bible tells us that we cannot walk in unforgiveness. It will stop us from having the intervention of God. A God who wants to intervene, a God who wants to visit us, a God that wants to show up in our life. He doesn't want any of these things to hinder him from coming into our life. See, God intervenes, intervenes though in ways that are very open and very subtle. God can intervene in your life, in my life, in ways that sometimes is just spectacular. You knew it was God. He can do it personally through supernatural means. I mean, you can know that God came down in the middle supernaturally because he's a supernatural God. He can, bring, he, can do, he can do a miracle. Yeah, he can do something against the course of nature. This inevitable supernatural power of God. God is not dead, ladies and gentlemen. He's still alive. He can do what he wants to do. Let's not limit him. Amen. But not only that, but God many times can, can, can come in very subtle ways through the Scripture. He can come in open ways. You ever pick up the Bible and something in the Bible just jumped off the page at you? You was reading and you said, oh my goodness, that was so powerful. It, it was almost like a hologram that God spoke to you off the Scripture. It, it became alive to you. It illuminated you. And you knew that God had spoken to you. You got this peace now. Great peace have they that love the law of the Lord. And nothing will cause them to stumble. David said, Lord, you have lit my candle. You have 
light my darkness, then I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Something about the Word of God, that God is His Word that comes into you and illuminates you. The next thing you know, you know that God is with you and He has spoken to you. But the other way that God moves and open in subtle ways is sometimes through people. God can speak through people. God can speak through your boss. God can move in intervening ways through medical science. Come on, somebody. Let's shout hallelujah for the vaccine. We, let's give God praise. I know some people are a little bit apprehensive, but vaccines have been used all in history to help stop polio, help stop all kinds of, of, of diseases that we will probably still have today from, uh, from the measles and mumps and rubella, all kinds of things. And we just pray to God that this vaccine is a good one. Amen. But we have to thank God for medical science that God speaks to people and gives them wisdom and gives them insight, gives them abilities and knowledge. Hallelujah. That our God is a God that can work through people. He can work through inventors and bosses and managers and leaders and sometimes even through a politician. Hallelujah. That our God is a God that can intervene through people. He can speak to your boss and tell your boss to give you a raise. He can speak to the banker and tell the banker to give you favor when it's time for you to get a new job. He can speak to so many ways of people's hearts. He, he, one time, he, he directed a widow woman to take care of the man of God, to give him uh, 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 the last piece of meal she had in water. He, the Bible said he directed her to do He spoke in her heart and she moved and she blessed the man of God. But not only that, but God also moves in nature, sometimes very open and sometimes very subtle, even through nature. Sometimes you can look and see how God moved. He moved through nature in order to rescue Jonah. He moved through, ba- uh, through a donkey to speak to Balaam to save his life. God even directed a raven to bring uh, meat to Elijah when the famine was taking place. God can work even through nature. Sometimes you can sit back even in your own life, get quiet, go out into the woods, go out into nature. In a beautiful area where you guys live, you can really see the hand of God and the beauty of God all over creation, but especially there, being between two lakes. Come on, somebody. You've got to be able to see the very nature and the hand of God, how God has moved and is so beautiful in nature. And, and Gary Thomas, who wrote a book called Sacred Pathways, as he looks at how people can get into the present God and experience God in many different ways. And it's one of those ways sometimes is through nature. But now in that, but God can move through angels. You know how many times we probably had angels help us in our life? I know I've been in some situations. I knew it had to be an angel. Uh, I remember one time I was driving with my parents coming back from a, uh, a vacation trip and a car was stopped and we didn't see it around the corner and it was just no way it had to be an angel for keep us from hitting that car. Sometimes we, angels are there. We can, we can see them and may not even be aware of them, but God has them there watching over our lives. I still believe in angels. The Bible says be careful how you entertain strangers. They could be angels unaware ministering to you and talking to you. Hallelujah. And so you and I must understand that God can even send angelic beings to help us and to watch over our lives and to, and to and be his intervention in our life. And the last thing is God also in his open and subtle ways of working in our lives is through circumstances. Sometimes God allowed things to happen in our life and yet he's at work. Daniel got caught into a very tough situation, taking a stand for God. He got thrown in the lion's den, but God brought him out. And now God is promoted and God is seen and God is glorified through the circumstances. Sometimes God can work like he did with the Hebrew boys. Uh, as you take a stand and don't compromise, you get thrown in the fiery furnace. But guess what? God intervened. He jumped in there. Come on, somebody call it theophany. And, and, the, and, when, and then they looked and saw the, in, the, in the fiery furnace. He said, my goodness, the king looked and said, man, I saw three people we 
threw one in. But now there's a fourth one that looks like the Son of Man. Hallelujah. Because you know why? God jumped in there. Amen. And God will intervene when he has to intervene, even if you get in a hot situation. So sometimes circumstances, you'll see God move through circumstances to intervene in our lives. Whether it's through sickness or deaths or trials or tragedies or trouble, God also will interject himself. He will interpose himself. He will step right in in many situations. Many times we don't even understand them. Sometimes they don't work out always the way we think. But when you look back over your life, you can say, God, I thank you for working in that situation. I can see your hand. Sometimes we don't always look and see the hand of God because sometimes we're looking for the spectacular. But sometimes God is in a very silent. Ask Elijah. When Elijah wanted God to show up, the wind came and knocked this mountain down. But he wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in it. The fire came. God wasn't in it. But when he got quiet, he could hear the still, small voice of God's intervention in his life. Sometimes it's not always in the loudness. Sometimes it can be, but sometimes it's in the silence. Sometimes it's when you get yourself quiet that you can see the very open, but yet very subtle hand of God's intervention in your life. So God is infinite in his love. He's infinite in his grace. He's infinite in his wisdom and his power to come between your life and to help you and I. He intervenes against the penalty and the power of sin and sickness and hurt and pain and depression. He can come in the middle of despair and darkness. He can come in the middle of disease and demons and defeat and death. Jesus did this on the cross. The cross is, it is God's major, major uh, 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 witness of his intervention for mankind. Because when you look at the cross, you see that God himself hung on the cross, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, in order to take our penalty of our sin and to take the power of our sin on himself. He took it on himself. The Bible said he was made sin for us who knew no sin. He took on the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. He, he took it on himself. He stood between us and he took it for us so that we could have eternal life. And when the devil thought he could win, he didn't win because God himself used the cross as that medium in order for him to defeat the enemy so that you and I could experience eternal life. I'm so glad that Jesus went to the cross and I'm so glad that he went to the grave. I'm so glad that he rose up because he came in between and he stepped in and he cut in and he interposed himself in order to save us. So what does God want to do? God wants to intervene in your life in a very personal manner. He wants to intervene in all of our lives in a very personal manner. When God intervenes in your life, he brings forgiveness. When God intervenes in your life, he brings healing. When God intervenes in your life, he brings deliverance. He brings miracles. He brings victory. He brings peace. He brings power. He brings restoration and wisdom and counsel and answers and solutions and remedies and direction. See, he wants to intervene in your marriage. He wants to intervene in your mind. He wants to intervene in your finances and in your health. And he wants to intervene in your relationships. He wants to intervene in your career. He wants to intervene in your home and in your job and in your church. He wants to intervene in our nation. He wants to intervene in our schools. He wants to intervene in our communities. He wants to intervene and come against injustice and racism. He wants to come into our lives and intervene in our schedule and in our plans and, and our agenda. He wants to intervene in our hearts and our lives. Because this big and incredible creator thinks about you. He thinks about me and he wants to intervene in our life. Oh, my God, the God that, that, that made the heavens with his fingers and set the moon and the sun in place. And they are fixed and ordained in their spot. 
Yet, he's so mindful. Why is he so mindful of you and I? And yet, the Son of Man, that he visits us, that he wants to step in and intervene and get close to us and help us. Why? Because we have a God that loves us. He's very, very involved in us. I want you to know, no matter what you go through, God can do something. God wants to intervene in people's lives, and he uses people, uses circumstances. I said, he can do it supernaturally. He can do it through nature. He can do it different ways. And I remember this story just recently about a young lady, a friend of mine. He is a guy who's Islamic in his background, grew up in Iran, and he and I become very good friends. And and I, I don't try to force God down him, but I build a relationship with him, and he knows that. He knows I'm a pastor, but I'm really more of a friend to him. We play golf together. He told me one day, my sister... Is, is, is struggling. She's got pancreatic cancer, which is a really tough cancer to have, as you know. And he was hoping the best for her. And I kept saying, I would love to go and see his sister if I could. And I know he wanted me to do it, but it seemed like there was some hesitancy on her part. She had been through a lot in her life. She's young. She's only in her 40s. And I kept praying, God, how can I get to her? I want to make sure I get to her because if she doesn't make it, I want to make sure her soul is right. I want to make sure she has eternity with you. And one day the Spirit of God just spoke to me and said, I want you to write a letter, an email, I want you to have him because I'm going to use him to preach the gospel to her. And I remember writing a letter. I sat down in my, in my breakfast area and I, at my table, at my breakfast table, and I began to pen an email to her and just talk about the friendship that I had with her brother and how her brother talked about her, how much he loved her and her kids and talked about life and that we don't always understand why things happen, but there's a God that understands and a God that loves you. And and to make the story short, uh, I ended up really talking to her about life and about eternity, being prepared for eternity and how much God loves her. And that all she had to do was receive Jesus because Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life and he has eternity for you waiting for you that when you get on the other side all those who prepared themselves for eternity you'll get a chance to see them but he wants to make sure you're ready and I ended the letter talking about how much if she needed me I, I would be there and we were praying for her and so a couple of days later he calls me he says pastor I just want you to know that I read that letter to my sister by herself the other night she couldn't talk anymore but she could respond by you know hand gestures and I'm holding her hand and I'm reading the letter. And as I'm reading the letter, he says, I've never had anything like this ever happen in my life. It's the most beautiful encounter. Nothing like this has ever happened in my life. I said, what happened? He said, when I was reading the letter, every time I would read certain words, she would squeeze my hand. She had never done this before. She was, it was an emotional moment for me and for her. We were so close. And I read the letter. The other part, she would just squeeze my hand. I had never, it was a, such a, a presence there. And I said to him, I said, my friend, God was in that place. He said, I have never experienced anything like that. God had intervened in that moment. I believe that she received Jesus. I believe that she she got her life. That letter was so written and she was responding to the gospel. And about three days later, he calls me and I call him and he says, you know, my sister died. I said, yes, I saw it on Facebook. But you know what? I believe the Lord intervened to save her for eternity. And still to this day, he will call me and say, Pastor, I will never, never forget that night. Because the God that we serve, the God, the great creator, the one that established the heavens and put it in his own fingers, with his own tapestry, with his own fingers, who yet loves us and are thankful for, thankful, always thinking about us, is a God that visits us. 
He will visit us where we are. May you receive him today. May you accept him today. If you don't know Christ, accept him. If you're a person going through a difficult time, know that you can trust the God that loves you and he's there for you. He's ready to intervene, to step in, to cross in, to cut in, to interpose himself, to get in between whatever's going on in your life. Just believe him, receive him, and know that he's God. He's a God that loves us. What a time that we live in. We need his intervention like we never have before. In Jesus' name, we thank you. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much for Seneca Church. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the ministry. Continue to bless them. Bless Pastor Dave, his wife Cindy, and their children. Bless God, the entire community. Thank you for what you're doing. I pray for people now to receive you, people to come back to you. And more importantly, God, that they can see that you're a God of intervention. God, we love them. You love them. And God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you.